listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rapoff. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the second season of the Bulldog Hour. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back. Well, the season is underway and uh, has given us plenty to talk about uh, at the start of the season here. So we're excited to get another episode done. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, lots to talk about. Yeah, we're really pleased with the way the shows have gone so far. You know, we started work on the second season back in May, really got things going in June and July with all the interviews. We put out a, a preseason show, actually two of them, and here we are in the third episode, and we realized last year we only did four for the entire length of the season. We're probably going to more than double that this year. We're hoping to get, you know, seven, eight, hey, maybe even nine episodes, depending on how things shake out once the playoffs roll around. And we're really excited that after our third episode, uh, this time, we still don't have to do one where we're really, you know, downtrodden, somber, and disappointed because, well, hey, we're not doing this after a loss. We talked about before this show started that last year, before two of the four episodes we did, were coming off of a loss. And one of those episodes was, one of the other episodes was before the season started. Right. So, of the three in-season episodes, two were after losses. Yeah, so, so. it was kind of tough for us to come on here and, you know, be happy enough beat about things because right. you know i mean early in the season a loss is a loss it, they right. happen it was a two an incredible team in central dolphin who went to the district final last year um but it you know you still you want to be coming off of you know a high point and um doing the show here two days removed from the week two game against springford um it's pr- pretty pretty high up there um because well wilson won and we'll get to that in just a, a few moments but it's nice to be talking and be so upbeat. Yeah, and and like you mentioned, you know, we we had kind of planned out when this episode would take place. And looking at the schedule, we we knew, and everybody's been talking about this. They have they have the little bit of a gauntlet again in the non uh, league schedule this year. They started with Mifflin, then they went to Springford. Um, obviously, both games that we'll get into later. But so looking at it from the outset, we were just like, okay, well. Is a real possibility again, you know, obviously hoping and, and knowing that Wilson could win uh, the Springford game, but also knowing that it was going to be a challenge because that was, um, you know, that's a high quality opponent. Oh, absolutely. They're, they've won, I believe, I forget how many consecutive division titles, much like Wilson. They've been in a couple of district championship games. I believe they've won at least one um, former Wilson coach. Uh, Brubaker has really turned that program around. They had been yeah, struggling. I think they won like two games the year before he went there. Well, and they had won like, like, I don't know, something. It was less than 10 total yeah, in like I, the previous five years yeah, combined. I thought it was somewhere between like five and eight in those five years. Like no, they were, they were awful. And I, really I don't built think the program. Springford has won less than seven or eight games since, uh, Chad Brubaker has taken over right. for them. So he really has turned that program around and into a powerhouse, um, in their league. And, and it looks to be the same this year because they're a strong team, yeah. as we saw Friday night. And we'll get to that game in a bit, um, but that's not the first game on the schedule that we have to cover because in week one, Wilson hosted, as you mentioned, rival Governor Mifflin. So we're going to start there and talk about the first game of Wilson's season 
which was um, against the Mustangs. And, well, it I, I think it surprised a few people how, uh, how it went because, you know, starting the game against a rival, you know, people always say in those type of games, you throw the record out. Well, the record, everyone's record 0-0. Zero, zero. You don't know what to expect. Mifflin runs a unique offense that, for a young, inexperienced team or a team that doesn't see it that often, is difficult to stop. You know, the midline option, the veer, um, a form of wing tee, it's, it's not the easiest for undisciplined or inexperienced teams to stop. So you never quite know what's going to happen um, in a game such as the Mifflin game that we see um, now for the last decade, I believe, the first game of the season. And we we talked to the coaches this year and, and last year specifically, and they mentioned they wish it still was the last game of the year because then the team is ready, you you're, know what you're getting, you have a lot more film on the opponent, and when it's a rivalry game such as that, that's the situation you want to be in, not one where you face them in the first week. But once Mifflin left for the Bur- the Burks League, you know, if you wanted to keep it going, it had to be non-league. And that, hey, first week of the season, Labor Day weekend, now it's a huge matchup in Berks County. Yeah, and it's it's always kind of interesting now because, you know, um, you still have, um, as more and more, like, colleges are starting later and some start, like, early. There's few that start, like, on Labor Day anymore. So you have some kids that actually are home from school already. You have some kids that haven't gone off to school yet. But both Wilson and Mifflin and a lot of people show up to the game. And, you know, um, you know, I saw reports uh, that it was one of the highest attended games at Wilson in a long time. Um, it's five thousand. I, I had heard that, but then I heard a number that was closer to seven thousand. Okay, well, like, five to seven thousand. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. You know, we don't have quite the access to that number, that exact number. However, there were a ton of people there. Um, it was packed well before the game, and the weather was perfect. Yeah. For, oh, like, it was a beautiful right, evening. Yeah. So you know, you couldn't really ask for more in terms of when you're going to be looking to get. Um, a good crowd out to the game. And uh, from the Wilson standpoint, uh, the game didn't really disappoint either. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And Wilson went on to win by a score of 38-7. to And now, courtesy of Huddle and the Wilson coaching staff, we're going to check out the game recap here with some highlights from Wilson's dominating 38-7 to victory over the visiting Mustangs. Now, things started off uh, pretty good for Wilson. Uh, they were able to stop Mifflin, and then uh, after a running into the kicker penalty, which changed Wilson's drive from a 4th and 11 to 4th and 6, junior quarterback Connor Yerg, who got the start, was able to hit Brian Wright on a almost nearly 40-yard touchdown to open up the scoring. Then on Mifflin's next series, Wilson picked off the pass, as you're seeing now on the screen, and they would continue to score. Uh, throughout that, Wilson actually scored on their first five offensive possessions, and they would take a thirty-one to nothing halftime lead. Yeah, uh, when when you looked at it, the way the game started off, um, you know, Wilson got the ball. When Wilson got the ball um, on their first play, they just missed a play that would have been at a minimum a long gain, um, just off the fingertips of Fode Jello, right, possibly a touchdown. Hard, hard to say that. I mean, because he it still was a long way from the end zone, but it would have been a big play. And you, you just start to think, oh man, is that is that a play that could come back to haunt you? In at least early on in the game, in terms of not having the momentum, not seizing the momentum, and so then they got deep into the territory. They punted, and one thing not to overlook, and this was actually talked about, I think, uh, in in some of the articles written about the game, but 
they pinned him deep on that punt. Yes, yeah, they did. it was a great punt. I think it was at right around the ten yard line. Um, so a lot of people just said, you know, we shut them down their first series. Yep, they went three and out. We got the ball. Just pin them back there. Let the defense do their thing. Um, declined the penalty, but they took it. And basically, uh, Coach Thomas had given credit to the offensive staff and Coach Palm and mm-hmm. others for convincing him to go for it. Like, yep. And that, you know, obviously the offensive coaches probably always, I shouldn't say always, but yeah. if there's a chance, they want to go for it. And as the head coach has to make that call, though. It worked in their favor. They go, and not only did they get the first down, but as you saw, um, they were able to convert on the long pass. I believe that, that was to Brian Wright. Um, but that was that was a, a great pass uh, by Connor. And uh, we talked, that was the, the end of the series where they started with the dropped pass. Right. Or the... Missed, missed connection, I should should say. It would have been a heck of a catch by Fode to start the game. I it would have been. It just right. went off his fingertips. Right. Yeah, it's it not one tough. that you're that you're going to make every time, but it was just one where you're like, oh, you know, that would have been a great start. They tried the same play against Springford and didn't quite connect. Um, once again, it was a beautiful thrown ball. Um, you know, perfect placement, just a, a little too far. Uh, so they're going to hit on that one of these times. I don't know what game it's going to happen. Will it be against Central Dolphin or Warwick in the next two weeks? But uh, it's a great play. Fode usually has a few steps on the defender. If they can just connect on that, it'll, it'll be a big play. But, yeah, I mean, there's not too much to say about the Mifflin game. It was um, utter domination by the Bulldogs. Mifflin, just yeah. they just didn't have it tonight. Um, and uh, I know they were able to rebound this week and beat Cocalico. Yeah, which is a big win for them. That's a good win for no them. Joke. Yeah. No, they um they went toe to toe with Redland, who uh, beat Bishop McDevitt. Yeah. In a week zero, so that's that's a big rebound game for them. So you know, I think you know they they have a lot of uh, newer guys there. Um, you know, trying to find their place. They just it wasn't a good matchup, and I think things got rolling. Um, in a negative direction for them in week one, and it was just hard to stop that momentum once it got going. Yeah, and um, Mifflin now gets to play Manheim Township in Which, week three. That's an interesting game. That's like, a nice barometer for the Bulldogs to kind of gauge. You know, I know we talk about mathematic relationship where you know A beats B <laughs> doesn't mean B beats C. You know, it's not. Right. It it can be like a circle where one team beats one team, but the next team beats another, and then they beat. And it's like, well, how does that work? Well. Matchups are different. Sometimes it's difficult for one team to match up with one but not the other. Uh, so while it, this obviously won't dictate what Wilson and Township will do near the end of the season, it'll be nice to see where they're at in relation to one another when the streaks play the Mustangs in week three. Right. And, you know, knowing how, like, we played, uh, you know, knowing how Mifflin defends things, seeing them play an opponent, you know, we can start to try and figure out some some stuff. So. Yeah, like you mentioned, on multiple fronts, it, it could be um, a benefit in order to um, just be able to better prepare for that game later uh, in the season. All right, to close up and put a bow on the Mifflin game, we're going to talk a few stats here. Um, first downs, Wilson had 19 to Governor Mifflin's 8. And a lot of the numbers you're going to hear from Mifflin are inflated because of what they were able to do at the very tail end of the third think, quarter and most of the fourth quarter. In the first half, I think. It was right around there. Well, up until the start of the fourth quarter, Mifflin's total yards, I think, was 75. Um, now, they ended the game with nearly 150. They almost doubled that, but half of them, maybe slightly more, was gained at the very end of the third or early fourth or throughout the fourth quarter against backups in the junior varsity. So Wilson's starting defense did their job this week, didn't surrender a point. Mifflin scored against the uh, the JVs. Uh, yeah. 
Just Wilson like, almost got the 200 rushing yards ahead of 199. That's supposed to be Mifflin's bread and butter. They only had 136. And again, most of those came late in the second half when the game was in control by the Bulldogs. Yeah, to put it in perspective, Wilson played four quarterbacks. In, in week right. one. Yes, they did. Um, I kind of liked how they Two handled, of them by design. Right. I kind of liked how they handled the uh, really young quarterbacks. I say real young. I think they're a year younger than the starting quarterbacks. They're, but yeah. Um, how they rotated them in by play, yep. you know, kind of just like yeah, let them get we saw somewhat Heckman of a rhythm. and Futrick were the softs yeah, that yep. were able to play. But I, just hey, any I know that's that's minimal experience, but any chance you have to get those guys prepared. We talked in the preseason episodes about the experience that these guys get in some games like that. You know, hey, you know, if you get a few snaps throughout the year, that's a few snaps ahead of where you'll be, hopefully, uh going into when it is your time. Yeah, and, and the two quarterbacks that played for Wilson in the majority of the game and by design combined for 195 passing yards, um, Mifflin had just 13. They only attempted six passes, they completed three, and they still threw one interception, which we talked about during the highlights. Um, one key stat from the game, Wilson was 4-4 four four in the red zone, which is something if they want to stay strong and be competitive all year, we're going to have to see them be you know, 80-plus as the season goes on, you need to score in those red zone opportunities. More importantly, you need to score touchdowns. Right. Uh, the six guaranteed six, seven or eight, depending on the the outcome of the extra point or the extra point play, you need those because settling for three, while yeah, it's points, you need to get those six every time. Right. And they did really well against Mifflin going four for four. Uh, individual stats. It was the debut of Iggy Reynoso, the junior running back that moved into the district from Hamburg. He rushed 12 times for 118 yards and one score on the ground. He also chipped in um, in the receiving game, but he could have had an even bigger say. stat line. But a 66-yard touchdown run was called back due to a penalty. Right, yeah. I kind of, in my head, I keep getting that that long touchdown run that was called back. To me, that's kind of like they used to talk about how uh, – like Patrick Ewing used to block shots, even if it was going to be uh goaltend, like he would block like the first five intimidation the game just so it was in your head. And the way Iggy was running early in the game, um, just running kids over and then making them other guys miss and all that stuff, even though it got called back, you know, it was, it kind of set the tone. Right. Um, Cause they didn't really let it set them back. They just kind of kept going and, uh, I felt like even though it got called back, it was a good way to help keep that momentum going in the first half. I said the Wilson starting quarterbacks combined for 195 passing yards. Connor Yorg, I mentioned, got the start. He was 8 for 13 for 106 of those yards, tossing two touchdowns. Grayson Klein also played half the snaps. He was 6 for 8 for 89 yards as well as two touchdowns. And on the receiving end were Brian White, Brian Wright, Alex Twyford, Justin Weller and Leo Quigley. Uh, we had mentioned on the preview show that this was the 67th all-time meeting between Wilson and Governor Mifflin slash Shillington uh, many years ago. And with the victory, Wilson now leads the series 40-27. to However, they've now won 29 of the last 37 meetings and the last six overall. The last Mifflin win was five years ago in overtime, September 2nd, 2011. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the picture I have up. Wilson holding up the Gursky Lynn Trophy and celebrating as a team again. Ever since this trophy came to be, 
Mifflin has not won against the Bulldogs. And unlike the last few years uh, where there was the potential for a rematch late in the season, in, in the postseason actually, um, this year there um, is no potential rematch between Wilson and Mifflin because they are in different classifications. Again, a topic we touched on in the preseason episodes, but just something uh, to keep in mind, Wilson and Mifflin will not play again this year. Correct. They are 5A, so that was the final meeting for Wilson Mifflin until week one of 2017. All right, now the last piece of business before we talk to the players uh, that we recorded interviews following the victory over the Mustangs is we need to hand out our first piece of hardware for the uh, second season of the Bulldog Hour and for the 2016 season uh, that the Wilson football is currently playing. So week one. A couple couple names came to mind immediately. You know, you got to talk about the quarterbacks. They both played really well. And Jurg and um, Klein, Reynoso's debut strong as well. Lots of standout on defense, and that's where we're going to go. Yeah, um, you know when when we talk about player of the game, uh, this guy contributed all over the field. And our week one player of the game is going to be senior tight end and linebacker Leo Quigley, um, who. Had actually had a receiving touchdown. Yeah, he um, had one catch, three yards, right. and it was. A I kind of joke. There was a receiver behind him on that play. I think it possibly, was Nick Johnson, who possibly would have caught the ball if Leo didn't get it. But there was no le- way Leo was going to let that get past him, and he le- leapt up and was able to make the catch. Um, he had by the stats eight total tackles, a tackle for a loss, and a sack, and he he was everywhere on defense. Um, he kind of we mentioned in a, in the preseason episodes again a big loss this year or. I shouldn't say, well, it is a big loss, but an unknown was how is the linebacking core going to transition to not having multi-year starter um, Ike back there? Yeah, Ike Schonauer, um, who's playing now defensive lineup at Cortland State in New York, he was a three-year starter and, you know, heart and soul that defense with a couple other guys each year. Uh, He was um, the might have been the primary backup as a as a freshman, at least if not the first off the bench, the second. Uh, And he was, you know, contributed a lot over the last three, three, four years, him leaving, you know, what was going to happen? Well, Leo Quigley certainly stepped up in the game against Mifflin and uh, his actions, both on offense and defense earned him our first player of the game. So congratulations to Leo. All right. So before we recap spring forward, we're going to hear from some of the players we caught up with. Let's see, who was it after the Mifflin game? I know we talked to Leo Quigley and and Isaiah Isaiah Regal. Yep. And then we also talked with uh, defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber. So let's take a listen to both sets of interviews. All right, guys. Well, we're here with senior offensive tackle, defensive tackle Isaiah Regal and senior tight end linebacker Leo Quigley. Guys, well, that was an interesting start to the season and in a positive way. Did you guys in any capacity envision that's the way this game was going to go? Well, I thought it would be a lot tougher, but, you know, we stuck to the game plan, executed everybody, did their job, so we came out with a positive outcome. What was the biggest surprise of the game, you know, positively on you guys, maybe how they came out and played you? What was the biggest takeaway? Grayson Klein ran over that kid. You like that one? Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. You bring up Grayson Klein, one of two quarterbacks that played tonight, the other being Connie Erg, both of them juniors. You know, a lot of talk entering the year of who was going to grab the job, and it's interesting. 
a lot of times they say if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Well, tonight, both junior quarterbacks looked really well, splitting time, both through a couple touchdowns, and both showed really good reads in the pocket as well as some scrambling ability. Yeah. It, it, it must be nice to know that you can depend on both of them. Yeah, definitely having two quarterbacks in the backfield, it's nice to know that no matter who we put back there, now, was there a specific part of the game plan that had you really excited to get out there and see what you could do on the field? Uh, our defensive part of the game plan, we always like to have a lot of fun on defense. Our big, our big thing on defense is make a lot of noise and showing that. Uh, we always put a lot of stuff in there so we can all float the ball, all of them hats on, whoever has the ball. Now, you're both two-way starters, and Isaiah Regal, most of the time, offensive line, don't get a lot of credit. Uh, but, you know, you open some big holes, especially for as an outside run by uh, uh, Ignacio Reynoso. He looked really good. Unfortunately, that one got called back, his big touchdown run. Uh, but defensively, I mean, you guys stopped. It's a difficult offense, especially uh, for those that haven't played against it. Now, you both saw it. have seen it previously. Uh, but, Leo, I, I remarked on Twitter in the first half, it was kind of you and the boys out there just flying around making plays. And it seemed like every other play was, it was that – quickly with the tackle, quickly with the tackle. Was there something specific coming into the game that they said, this is this is your game, you have to control this? Well, you know, Ike leaving had to fill his shoes, so I was kind of not really noticed when he was here, so it's just time to step up. Good job, good job done. We talked to both of you earlier in the summer, and a lot of you guys talked about how getting this W is always important. You want to win the first game, but when it's a big rivalry like this, uh, did you talk about that before the game and the week leading up to it as well? Yeah, we talked about how big the rivalry is, how it means to us, the whole trophy. Uh, with their coach going down, this game means even more to them. And we knew that we had to bring our A game against them because they were bringing theirs. We had to show them who more business now getting that victory over Mifflin, the rivalry, is great, and you guys will graduate never losing to the Mustangs, which must feel good. Uh, but immediately I know Coach Doms and the staff is going to turn to next week. You have a big one back here at Kirsty against Springford, and a, quite the stark opposite in terms of your defensive philosophy against their offense. Uh, former Wilson coach Chad Brubaker will be bringing his crew here, and they're one of the, the favorites in their districts. It'll be an interesting game plan. I'm sure you guys are looking forward to films uh, Sunday night. Yeah. Any anything to say? Any shout outs for anyone? Shout out to my moms, my pops. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely shout out to my parents, my family. All the juniors that definitely stepped it up to show that they can be part of this team. And all my coaches. All my coaches. Oh, yeah. coaches <laughs> definitely the coaching high school staff. football. Yeah, Everyone home. who prepared us for getting us here now. All right, awesome. Thanks. Thank you guys and great game. Yeah, thanks. thanks. First thought after a big victory like that. It's great to beat Mifflin always. Uh, we think about this game from the end of last season, the beginning of this season, and I was very worried coming in, uh, extremely worried, but the kids played really well, and obviously we were very, very happy about the outcome. Did Mifflin throw anything at your defense that you didn't expect, or was it pretty much what you've seen over the years and in the scrimmages? Yeah, they didn't show us anything different than you know that we've seen before. Um, so they, I thought they tried to throw the ball a little more earlier, which really surprised me. Um, but, no, they ran a ball at us, and, you know, our defensive line did a great job, and so it's kind of what we expected. Uh, a lot was made in the paper, and I saw online about the number of two-way starters or players that Wilson had. The eight was thrown about, but we saw a healthy rotation both offensively and defensively. Were there a lot of younger players or first-year senior starters that stepped up over the summer or in the scrimmages that gave you that depth? Yes, yeah, somewhat. Um, we're getting more confidence the more reps we get. Um, the kids are coming more confident in what they're doing. 
They're playing hard. They're understanding. I mean, we had a pretty complex game plan tonight, more than we've usually done against Memphis. We changed a lot of things. And but they're getting better week in and week out, and we're getting more confidence. And those two-way players want to get breaks, too. You know, there's some big guys going both ways, too, and want to get them out. So it's they're doing a nice job, and they're getting better at practice, and we're hopefully going to work to more of a two-platoon system. So we're trying to get to that point. Now, if I'm familiar at all with what's coming next week, it's kind of a huge 180 from what you faced against Mifflin with the midline, veer, op, whatever kind of option you want to dictate that the Mustangs run. But now you got to welcome in the Springford Rams next Friday at Gursky. How difficult is it to go from a team that runs the ball? I mean, we saw last year 81% of their yards came on the ground versus a team like Springford uh, with a former Wilson coach that kind of likes to use the spread air raid style. Is that a tough change of pace for your for your defense for game planning? Absolutely. Um, it was nice seeing Parkland, who um, was spread, but now a little more traditional. Um, Boone last week was spread. Um, you work in seven sevens all summer against spreads, but not a lot of team concept stuff, more secondary stuff. Um, so we do expect a uh, big change in us, and you'll see a big change in our defensive. Like, we won't have the big guys out there as much. We're going to get more speed athleticism going so we can try to match their speed next week. All right. Any, anything to say to the Wilson football community or anyone at home? We beat the Mustangs, and that's all important right now. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Coach. All right. Well, you just heard from senior – Offensive tackle and defensive tackle Isaiah Regal was also joined by senior tight end and linebacker Leo Quigley, our player of the game for Mifflin, and also defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber. So we thank thank all those guys for meeting us after the game, after their victory, their resounding victory over the Governor Mifflin Mustangs to start the season 1-0 and get things started on the right foot. So we're going to move on now to week two, which just wrapped Friday night again at Gursky. Two straight home games for the Bulldogs. They're looking to go to 2-0. and And it was an interesting game just because, as we mentioned in our preview a couple weeks back, this is the first time that Wilson's ever met Springford in the regular season um, as the Springford district. They, they played both teams in the uh, 40s and 50s that – merged to become Springford, but never actually played the Golden Rams in the regular season up until Friday night at Gursky. Um, it was a wild one. Unfortunately, Justin, you weren't there to see it. I was not. Uh, but I had, you were, a, had a prior commitment. You were Ten, following yeah. our highlights. Yeah, but almost a year in the making. But I, I was following along, yes. Yeah, and it was a crazy game. And I'm sure a lot of you, probably all of you that are listening to this, know what happened in the game. But I'll pull it up anyways. So once again, on September 9th, the Springford Rams traveled to Gursky Stadium to play our Wilson Bulldogs. And, well, eventually, finally, I think over... Over three and a half hours, or close to three and a half hours of game time. Yeah, the Bulldogs emerged victorious in double overtime, beating Springford forty-one to forty. And former Wilson coach Chad Brubaker, the head coach at Springford, decided in the end of the second overtime that let's not go into a third. Let's end this now. He chose to go for two, and um, as we'll see here in the highlights shortly. It was unsuccessful. Yeah. Not by much. No. It was very, no. very close. But um, um, easy for me to say on this side of it, I am, you know, I think, think it was a good decision. You know, that's a tough decision well, that the coach will have to live with. But if he, if he gets it, everybody says, oh, he's a genius. He went for it. His guys were gassed. You know, just go to end it now. If he doesn't, 
I actually think in this case, a lot of people are like, okay, I get it. Like, it, it was a I really hot night. I haven't like, heard any negative stuff. things. No, now, we're like, on the Wilson side right, of things. Exactly. So. so I'm sure there are some people who are like, oh, you know, we scored on two plays in two overtimes. Why wouldn't we, you know, right. just keep going? But at the same time, yeah, you know your guys. You're on the sideline. If they're gassed, you don't want to run the risk of being on the short end of it. You have a chance. Basically, you have to go three yards on one play. And you just, on your last two offensive you plays, you got 10 yards on each of them. So let's do it. Why let's, not? let's go for it. Now, so I agree with the decision. It's easy for me to say that, though, because I'm on, I'm on the other side. I am not a high school football rule book genius. But I know in college, once I believe you get into third overtime, they require you to make the two or try the two-point play, mm-hmm. attempt the two-point conversion. I, think I thought do. high school was like that, too. So if he didn't do it then by choice... Both teams are going to be forced to do it should they score a touchdown in overtime three and and onward. Now we saw uh, in the District Three Championship game last year, I believe it was six or seven overtimes between Central Dolphin and Cumberland Valley. Okay. Um, now this one went to two and, and ended in the Bulldogs' favor, thankfully. Um, but let's take a look at some of the highlights here. Now um, we're just going to run through some plays if I can can find them. Unfortunately, don't have a this stitched together like the previous one, which was quite nice, I must say. Um, so let's see if I can find anything to show you on the replay. Because watching just the plays not not very fun. So um, let's look. Let's try this one here. Alrighty. I don't think that. That caught. There were some issues with the camera, so we may be having issues here as well, um, which doesn't look like this is playing at all now. So that's that's wonderful. Uh, but so Springford actually jumped out to a 14 point lead on the Bulldogs. Uh, they scored the first two touchdowns. They drove down the field methodically the first time. The second time, I believe their drive was kept alive on a penalty. Um, now there, what you're seeing there is actually the Wilson's second touchdown. That one was to Brian Wright, who uh, s- scored a touchdown obviously the week before. And now here's a guy who um, became part of a, you know, kind of a cult hero after this game was uh, Wilson kicker Nick Borelli, and uh, he was uh, the guy who uh, sent the game to overtime. And then his extra point actually ended up uh, winning the game when Springford decided to go for two. So the Bulldogs started um, a little weak. I don't know if uh, if Springford caught him off guard or, or what exactly happened, that they were having some difficulties containing um, the spread offense that Springford was running. But they marched down the field and capitalized both times, 14-0 lead. Now Wilson stormed back, and as you just saw on the Brian Wright touchdown, they tied it 14-14. Uh, to And uh, Wilson actually took the lead um, and – Went up twenty-one to fourteen. <clears throat> see if this uh, will play through here for you. You can see Wilson taking the twenty-one to fourteen uh, lead, uh, but then things um, went a little south. Third quarter was a little rough for Wilson. Springford went on top twenty-four twenty-one, and yeah, the film not great from this game. Unfortunately, things not not together here, um, but. Wilson on a punt got stopped at the one next play safety 
kicked it to them, and next thing you know, they score and get the two-point conversion. Um, now, what you just saw there was the touchdown to Fode Jalo to put Wilson up 21-14. And as I mentioned, safety in the third quarter after the free kick, a touchdown just a few plays later, two, good two-point conversion. All of a sudden, Wilson goes from being up 21-14 to being down 24-21. to And here, if you're watching, you can see the uh, third Bulldogs touchdown if it doesn't freeze. <laughs> <laughs> Seem, definitely seem to be having some issues with the film here. I don't really know if this was the issues were like this were live or uh, or what. But now I'm clicking in the wrong spot and everything. So we're gonna have to ditch the highlights because it seems like the film is giving us a bit of an issue. So the victory over the Rams, you know, it was it was thrilling for sure. The one point win, forty-one to forty. But you know, there, there's going to be a lot to correct leading into the Central Dolphin game. Uh, obviously, giving up forty punts is, point isn't ideal. But saw the offense able to to hang with them, put up some scores. Probably the the biggest thing that definitely needs to be corrected. They they were okay in the red zone. The Bulldogs were. Um, had some issues uh, in the third quarter, primarily, is where things kind of fell apart for them. They, I believe they scored on three of four red zone opportunities, but in the third quarter, they just couldn't capitalize on mistakes by Springford, and then they made a few of their own in the safety. But Wilson recovered a fumble, didn't get any points. Wilson fumbled the ball, gave the ball back. And throughout the game, the Bulldogs are only one for 11 on third down. Now they were able to recover a little bit because they went four for six on fourth, but you don't want to be in that situation. You know, you, you want to convert more on third down and not have to rely on fourth down. Um, but overall uh, team stats, Wilson actually had the advantage in first downs, 22 to 19. Um, they rushed for over a hundred yards, but Springford rushed for almost 200 yards. Passing wise, though, Wilson threw for 356 as a team compared to just 124 for the Rams. Uh, so total yardage, Wilson outgained Springford 474 to 323. Uh, Reynoso, another key player once again, both on the ground and through the air. He rushed 12 times for 20, only 25 yards, did get one score, but in the receiving game, he caught two balls for 53 yards and a touchdown. Uh, most of the time, the offensive attack was coming from Connor Yurig. Uh, he rushed 17 times for 83 yards on a score, but he also threw the ball 27 times, completing 16 of them for 271 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, now, they did uh, put in Grayson Klein uh, sporadically, uh, but Connor Yurig was kind of running the show through most of the game and into the fourth quarter. Now, near the end of the fourth quarter, though, he got injured. I believe a foot injury. I don't know the status of him at this moment. Um, so then it became Grayson Klein's ball game to run the two minute offense at the end of the game to drive to either take the lead or tie the game. They, the Bulldog offense had to go 80 yards in 90 seconds. Uh, Klein was great throughout the entire game. He was eight for 14, 85 yards and he had a rushing score, which happened in overtime. Now the leading receiver was uh, Alex Twyford. He had 98 yards receiving. Uh, and we saw Fode and Brian Wright. Um, have receiving touchdowns. But a two-minute drill worked to perfection. 90 seconds, 80 yards, and they did it. And and especially um, there was a moment toward, towards the end, the second-to-last play of regulation, um, where 
uh, Grayson is, is scrambling. And for those who aren't familiar with the orientation of the field and everything like that, he's running away from the scoreboard um, towards the end zone, like away from the school. And so as he's doing that, he doesn't, he can't see the time and time is winding down as he's scrambling. If he doesn't get out of bounds or if he gets out of bounds after the clock at zero, obviously the game is over. Um, So he got out of bounds with just a couple seconds left, which let the, the field goal team was ready to run on. They were able to run on and, and kick that field goal at the end of regulation. Yeah. So he went out of bounds with two seconds to go. Um, and it was right, I think it was right at the 10 yard line. Uh, so with two seconds to play, uh, Wilson special teams field goal unit lined up and kicker Nick Borelli trotted out there. He had made a field goal from 26 earlier. Now this was on the wide hash, so not a direct kick. And he had also already made three extra points. And um, ball snapped, clock winds down, last play of the game, and he nails it. And Wilson ties it 27-27, kind of unbelievably. You know, they had been outplayed for most of the second half, but then Grayson Klein led the two-minute drill to perfection, got a Borelli in the situation, and he kicked it through. Wilson, Springford going to overtime. This was the 6-ABC um, huddle uh, high school game of the week, uh, thanks to votes from the community. Which and they boy, actually mentioned how many votes. Yeah, on the like thirty-two thousand or yeah, something like that. Yeah, they were like shocked that. at how many votes there were. So that's we incredible. we were we were putting it out there on all our pages to make sure people voted. And for a while, we were up by a couple hundred. Then all of a sudden, we were down by like four thousand. And then next thing I know, we're up by like seventeen thousand. I was like, "What is going on?" It was absolutely yeah. nuts. I have no idea how exactly they were calculating them, <laughs> um, but. Whatever we we were able to be get the game of the week and they were there and they have highlights up on their site at six abc dot com. So does um, Lancaster Lebanon League sports videos and um, the Big Tech at WFMZ yeah. on Channel sixty nine News. So you can see all that kind of stuff um, highlights from that game, which we're having trouble with here. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, what a game! Uh, you know, first meeting between schools in the regular season, and uh, it definitely didn't disappoint. Now, in in the overtime period. Uh, Wilson, I believe, won the toss, and they chose to go on defense towards the student section, which thankfully was the end zone that I was already standing in, so I didn't have to go anywhere. And um, we heard on the first play, Springford scored passing touchdown. Yeah. So immediately, yeah, they go up. They exploit's good. They go up seven, and now you're Wilson. Now you know you yeah, have to get yeah, a touchdown. Four downs, you got to score. Yep. And uh, they did, I believe, on the second play. I think the first play was a Tommy O'Brien run up the gut, and he got like eight and a half yards, something like that. And uh, or maybe that was the maybe that was overtime too. Now everything's running together. I'm having a tough time remembering. The first overtime actually might have been a passing touchdown. I honestly I can't remember. No, it was it was Iggy. It was Iggy's right. run. The passing touchdowns were in regulation. Um, Iggy Reynoso powered in on the second or third play of the first overtime. Kick was good. We're going to second overtime. Uh, now they flip flop it, and Wilson has to go first. Um, end zone stayed there. They decided to stay at the, 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 the student section end zone away from the scoreboard. And first play, um, I think was the Tommy O'Brien run, set it up for Grayson Klein to dive in, uh, a good second effort from him to reach the ball with the goal line. Borelli extra point. Good. Now you're up 41, 34 Springford trots out first play toss touchdown. And that's when the uh, drama and, really and I escalated. I believe they called a timeout immediately. Yeah, they or did. virtually immediately, which then everyone knew. They're not calling a timeout to run the kick team out there. No. They're going, they're they're, going they're for it. They're debating whether to The game is going to end here. Either 
for Wilson or for Springford coming out on top, the game's going to end. And here. like we had mentioned, the previous two offensive plays for Springford gained 10 yards each time and were a touchdown. So now you got it on the three. You only need three yards for victory. They got to be feeling pretty good. And, uh, well, it, it didn't, it didn't work out for them. And I'm actually, um, I'm going to see if I can pull up the video because I definitely want to see that. Um, so why, while I try to do that, why don't we talk about, um, this week's player of the week, um, for week two, you know, there were a couple great performances. Again, the week one player of the game and, and, and Leo Quigley had another eight tackles, one and a half of them for loss, including a sack. Um, the quarterbacks again, uh, Yurig and Klein, great games. Um, uh, Twyford also, you know, almost a hundred yards receiving. He was really dominant for us on offense, but Justin, who's our player of the game for week two? All right, so our player of the week for week two, uh, we're going a little bit off the off the norm here, is going to be senior kicker Nick Borelli. Uh, Nick was five for five on extra points. Uh, he hit two field goals, including the, the game-tying field goal um, with no time remaining right. uh, from 27 yards out. Um, and then he also had a special teams tackle. Yeah, he, he actually he um, had a special teams tackle that so, may have saved a touchdown right. on a return. So, so when you when you think about this, um, you know, five extra points, the two field goals, that's eleven points right there in a one point game, in a one point win. Um, you know, there were there were lots of guys that contributed here. Um, you know, Nick has been kicking on the team for a few years, but there, he was behind a, you know, um uh, Nick Hart last year who, right. who graduated. Uh, so yeah, it's his first real opportunity to get the big kicks and, um, to be able to be part of not just him, but the whole special teams unit that was ready, ran out, you know, there was no timeout to set up the, the game tying kick. Um, but he had the game tying kick and then he had essentially the game winning kick, uh, even though the defense had to come up with a stop afterwards. Um, so when, when you look at this, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that, uh, we'll just have to kind of, uh, give Nick his credit there. You know, he came up big when it mattered, and uh, those points were huge in, in that one-point victory. Yes, for sure. Now, I think I have the the last few plays here. I hope this is the right one. We're going to show it up. But congratulations to senior kicker Nick Borelli for being the player of the game for the Week 2 victory over Spring Ford. Now, let's see if these are the right plays. Okay, so the highlights are not working properly on Huddle. That's unfortunate because it was uh, – yeah, I know that we have the the video from it because I've seen it floating around on Twitter. Um, and one of the players that helped to make the stop on the play, which uh, pre- prevented the, I believe it was actually might have been a wildcat play, where it was either a very quick handoff possibly to the Springford running back, uh, took it up the middle from three, and he got to about the half inch line maybe. Yeah. And um, the first guy to make contact was uh, senior safety Tommy O'Brien was the first one to take him. Now. He started to dive towards the end zone, came up to right around that half-inch line when another player grabbed him by the shoulders and yanked him away from the goal line uh, to seal victory. And they, you know, Springford players actually started celebrating because they thought they had scored. Wilson players were standing, you know, shaking their arms back and forth saying no. And I glanced over at the at the one judge standing along the uh, the end zone line, and he when he starts waving his hands across his body saying no point, the Wilson sideline erupted and with their hands in the air, helmets raised, flying on the field, celebrating the victory. And as the nearly three and a half hour game finally came to a close with Wilson on top 41 to 40. It was just unbelievable. And after two years ago, we had that crazy finish against Governor Mifflin with Wilson storming back in the fourth quarter and winning in the first overtime 35-34. 
just crazy, crazy events at Gursky um, twice in the last uh, two years. Right. It, it was, uh, it is kind of crazy how it came down to, you know, they ever, in the articles, in the newspapers and everything, we're talking about this, you know, the cliche, it's a game of inches, but it, it was, um, you know, the game was decided by a few inches at, at the end. And, uh, you know, the defense, you know, all the time they preach swarm to the ball, swarm to the ball, don't just watch. And, you know, it's not just one guy because if it comes up to one guy, you could have ended up in the situation like when Wilson was on offense where Grayson runs into the pile, but then the second effort he was able to reach over mm-hmm. and put the ball in the end zone. Yeah, and um, I wish I knew, I can't off the top of my head remember who it was that helped Tommy stop him. Tommy made the initial contact and pretty much stopped him cold. He reached out. God, it was a little short, and then someone was like, you're not getting a second chance, and right. I do not remember who that was. Um, but, you know, great effort. They didn't give up. They were down 14 early. They gave up the lead and, uh, you know, were down uh, by three uh, late in the game. They were able to tie it, um, come back again from down three, and uh, force overtime, and, you know, anything can happen once you get there. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see some of my pictures here. Um, catching the moment where the refs said no two-point play with the sidelines running onto the field. And uh, then uh, Coach Doms, once the, <laughs> once the team and coaches got to midfield, raising his hands, putting his fingers close together, signifying you know, that cliche that Justin just mentioned, game of inches, and they were this close to losing. And uh, now they are, you know, celebrate briefly 2-0, but uh, starting today, Sunday, Get back out there, get ready for uh, Central Dolphin, which is the matchup for week three. So up next, we're going to listen to the players that I caught up with after the victory over Springford. We talked to a bunch of them. Uh, most importantly, our player of the game, Nick Borelli, then also grabbed uh, wide receivers and defenders, Mason McElroy and Brian Wright. And finally, we got to talk with the quarterback at the end of the game and in overtime, Grayson Klein. So Check out these interviews from the players following the victory over Springford. All right, we're here post-game after Wilson's double overtime victory over the Springford Rams. With me now is senior kicker Borelli, who uh, had himself quite a game, especially after the Bulldogs' offense was able to drive down the field. 80 yards in 90 seconds. They set him up with two seconds to go. And as time expired, you hit the game-time field goal to send the game to overtime. What was going through your head at that moment? Uh, There was a lot going through my head. It was just trying to stay relaxed, trying to take some deep breaths as soon as I'm taking my steps. Uh, That's pretty much it. Now, uh, you've never been under the pressure quite like that in a game situation before. Uh, Was there anything going on different, or you just, you know, you did what you were taught by Coach Gibble? Uh, I was pretty confident going in, even though it's a new situation. Uh, I feel like I have a great group of guys in front of me, snapping, blocking, holding. Uh, I had to do it for them, and also the guys who drove the ball 80 yards down the field. And then in overtime, you attempted two extra points and made them both same thing, just going through your steps, making them count. Yeah, just trying not to pull Jan Johnson. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. Now joining me, we got senior Mason McElroy and senior Brian Wright. Guys, uh, what an incredible game. Both of you played a huge role in it. Brian, another touchdown. Mason, interception. Just what were your thoughts uh, at the beginning of the game when you went down 14? Uh, I think we took them a little lately. But when you're down 14, you just got to show out. 
that's what we did tonight. Brian, uh, how did your uh, touchdown get set up? What were you thinking going into that play? Were you thinking the ball was coming your way? Um, absolutely, because on that side, it was, it was short side, so they were just like, Yo, throw it to Yo, me. It was a mismatch, and they threw it, caught it. Mason, a couple kick, kick and punt return opportunities. Looks like you had had some scenes a couple times, and then just get tripped up. Uh, was there anything you saw in the game plan, not just on special teams, but offense or defense that you thought you could take advantage of? Um, uh, definitely, we work on a lot of curl routes, and uh, if you're man to man against our wide receiver core, I, I don't think anyone can guard that one on one on a curl route. So definitely that, and just good good route running, pretty much. Now, both of you were involved in a crazy game two years ago as sophomores. Um, a little bit different situation when you're starters and seniors, but that, that game against uh, Mifflin to open the season two years ago and now this one, where does this one compare or how does this one compare to that Mifflin game and is this now your favorite game of your career? Well, in these type of situations, we prepare, we prepare for this, we condition, and we knew that they were tired, so we just pushed the ball up on them. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't... As sophomores, you don't get that much time unless you're like excellent. So this has definitely got to be the best game uh, as a team I think I've witnessed. Now you got a tough one next week, Central Dolphin. They clipped you by one here last year. Now you get to go there where, again, as sophomores two years ago, you were able to beat them. It's a tough matchup and huge ramifications for District 3. And uh, you guys got anything to say in the week leading up to the other Ram team? We'll walk right. We're Right. All right. Year, team. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. All right. In the last interview tonight, after Wilson's victory over the Springford Rams in double overtime, 41-40, the man who came in and led the team in the end of the fourth quarter and throughout overtime had some big plays, including setting up the game tying field goal at the end of the fourth. Uh, what, what was going through your mind on that play? When I assume it was a called pass and things just broke down. Um, you know, kind of take us through what was going through your mind before the snap and then during the play. Well, I dropped back, looked at all my options. Everything kind of broke down and came flying free. And I just thought, got to beat him, got to beat him, got to beat him. Looked up at the clock, had a little over 10 seconds left before the play started. Once I got past him, realized get as close as I can and get out of bounds. <laughs> Well, we were wondering about that awareness. I'm glad you were watching the clock because yeah. as you were running, we were thinking, is he going to try to get in the end zone or is he going to step out? And then you Not went like out. <laughs> you set it up and uh, Nick Borelli, he hit it, hit it home, sent it to overtime. Then you guys got your back to the wall immediately as uh, Springford scored on the first play. Did you do anything uh, on the sidelines or in the huddle walking out when you knew you needed a touchdown and the extra point to send it to double overtime? I just said, guys, let's go. We got to get in the end zone. Borelli will take care of it once we get there. Let's do our part. Let's let him do his, and we'll be just fine. Now, you've been with the team a little longer than the other guys we talked about coming up as a freshman, yep. so you've played a few more games than them, but where does this one rank in the, your games as a Bulldog so far? This, this is pretty close to the top. Never had to be in a situation like this before. Never thought I'd get my number called for a run play to win a game, <laughs> but... Played the cards I was dealt, and it all worked out great. So this has to be up towards the top. Now the game ended with Wilson on defense, and they needed to prevent Springford from converting on a two-point play. It wasn't required by the rules, but Coach Brubaker and Springford decided they wanted to end this game now. They looked like it was extremely close, um, you know, mere inches. What were you thinking, or what were you doing on the sideline when you realized that you had just won the game? I was kneeling down praying to God. <laughs> 
they were running the ball right up the gut the whole game. And I just figured we needed help. And it paid off. We got it. Oh, my God. I don't know how we got it. I saw a foe run that way, and their team dropped. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so thankful for all that. Now you're at 2-0. Got a huge District 3 game at Central Dolphin next week. Like I said previously, they got the best of you last year by a point. It's time to uh, return the favor, go, into, go in there to play. Um, what's it going to be like this week in practice leading up to a huge showdown like that? I think there's definitely going to be a lot of emotion. There's a lot on this game. They're a powerhouse. We're a powerhouse. I think after last year, we just got to play a little chip on our shoulder. I think right. we'll be ready to go. Anything else to add? Any shout-outs from you, Grayson? Thank you, offensive line. <laughs> Thank you, offensive line. It means a lot, guys. Got to respect the man that knows uh, who's protecting him. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Grayson. Thank you. Now we're going to move on very quickly to preview weeks three and four. And as we've mentioned multiple times already, week three is a big one. First road game for Wilson. They are heading to Speed Ebersol Stadium in Harrisburg to play the Central Dolphin Rams. We know last year they came to Gursky and left with a one-point victory, 20-19. to Two years ago, the first time this series, uh, regular season series began, uh, the 2014 team went to um, Central Dolphin and came away from that with, I believe, a three-point victory. And we all know the 2014 season was a very, very good one. Now coming back there two years later to play the Rams team, who once again, despite some you know losses to graduation, have an incredibly strong team. They're actually coming off of back-to-back random, but 31-9 to victories in yeah. both their games. They destroyed Mannheim Township, winning convincingly on actually the first uh, Thursday game because of scheduling contradictions. With, they shared the field with CD East as well, and both teams had home games back-to-back weeks. So one played Thursday. Next week they played Friday and vice versa. So the Rams beat the Streaks 31 to 9. Then this week, playing on Friday, the Rams hosted Susquehanna Township and beat them 31 to 9. You know, this is going to be the eighth meeting between the teams. Central Dolphin got the best of us last year. Uh, you know, we got to return the favor and, and take it to them uh, in 2014, uh, actually twice. Uh, beating them by three at their place, and then beating them in the district title game a little bit more convincingly, uh, but a great game at Hershey. So this should be another battle. you got to be ready to go, ready to play. There's some people beat up. Um, we know um, senior inside linebacker Elliot Bob didn't play this past week. Uh, he told me he is expected to play against Central Dolphin, and we'll see, see what happens. The Rams like to run on the ground now. They have experienced that quarterback because the guy that was a sophomore two years ago, now a senior, and in his third year as a starter, I believe they lost all of their wide receivers and secondary members. But, you know, they're a talented team just like Wilson. You know, we don't, you know, have down years. We just kind of, you know, next man up philosophy. Central Dolphins just like that. So they've got guys ready to step in in those roles. And obviously they have five-star defensive end uh, Mika Parsons, who's currently committed to Penn State and is just a terror off the edge and wherever they use him on defense. And supposedly, I haven't seen it happen yet or heard if it's happened, but supposedly he's supposed to be playing some offense. And it wouldn't surprise me if that would debut against the Bulldogs this yeah, Friday. The most talented player on the field. I, there's no real debate over that. Um, you know, And so it's, it really it would be no surprise if they start to try and uh, find ways to roll that out. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they haven't used it a whole lot, if they start to use it this week, you know, like just uh, things like that. You, you never know uh, what to expect in these big games. It's a, it'll be a big matchup. Uh, a, a, again, a really tough matchup for Wilson uh, going to Central Dolphin this Friday.
Yeah, and they have actually they have a crew that covers all their game radio wise. So if you can't head out to Speed Ebersol Stadium, you'll be able to listen uh, to their broadcasts. And uh, last year we got to meet their one of their commentators, and he's always reached out, already reached out to us that they want to meet up with us again this year. Uh, so you know, two great District Three teams, an early season meeting, and really this could end up deciding who gets the one seed. You know, Cumberland Valley still hanging out there, but Central Dolphin has to play Cumberland Valley. Right. Wilson doesn't get to until at least the playoffs. So um, Wilson beats Dolphin here, or vice versa. That team's set up to probably be the number one seed uh, once playoffs come around, unless something happens uh, in league play. Right. Which the Bulldogs will actually start the next week in week four, also on the road. And now with the um, changing in division alignment or PIAA classifications, the LL schedule has gotten jumbled a little bit. And now the team that Wilson had been finishing the season with is now their first league game, and that is the Warwick Warriors. Over the last few years, not very competitive, at least last year. They've given the Bulldogs trouble on the road, which is where uh, Wilson will, will be traveling to Warwick this year. But a pretty experienced team returning a lot of starters. If you recall back to our preview episode, Warwick has a possibly even double digits on one side of the ball and returning players. Um, they've got an experienced quarterback. They have some big linemen. Uh, and they've been, you know, they got beat up a little bit by Mannheim Central in the first week. Um, they lost 38-17, but in the second week, they scored 52 on Garden Spot. Now, Garden Spot in week one, well, the actual week one, not week zero, the real week one, Garden Spot beat Y missing to send them to 0-2. Right. So Garden Spot's not uh, – Garden Spot is also returning a ton of players this year, I believe, in LL Section 2, I believe. I think you're right. Um, and so, you know, Garden Spot – you know, not one of the bigger schools, but has definitely, you know, isn't a school to overlook this year. So Warwick, you know, you, you mentioned it, and we talked about this in the preseason show as well. A few years ago, Hempfield had a bunch of young guys who got, for various reasons, got a lot of time early. And that was the kind of the group that came to fruition well, in the last couple of years. Yeah, and well, Hempfield did really well. And back-to-back years, I think they lost to Central Dolphin in overtime. Right. And in the district playoffs. Warwick, I believe it was last year for – all kinds of circumstances had some guys. I actually guys. think it was two years ago. Okay. I think the, the kids the, that are seniors then, now were right. softs then. then. Yeah, it all kind of runs together, like he said, but got a lot of playing time. So, you know, rough year last year still, but the that extra experience starts to pay off. And, um, you know, they're they're already ahead of where they've been in, at, in years past, I would say, with some of their – losing to Mannheim Central is not really a knock on anyone. No, no, you know, no. Like, no. They're, a, they're a perennial power, so – um, it'll be it'll be pretty awesome. Yeah, the, the the biggest part of the preview, I think, would say you can obviously see that Warwick can put up points, scoring uh, fifty two uh, and even seventeen against Central. Now, do, I don't know if any of those came late against their backups, but um, you know, right there, that's sixty nine points in in the first two weeks it's of the season. Not something we're used to seeing from them in the years past. So you can tell things are changing. Yeah. However, you also can tell that defensively, they still seem to be a little suspect giving up 73 points in two weeks. So, you know, if Wilson wants to start off the league schedule right and continue those streaks we talked about on the previous show, they're going to have to beat a Warwick team that's going to be out. You know, they haven't beaten Wilson in probably close to 10 years. And, you know, they they controlled Wilson at Warwick in 2012 and 2014, sending it to a second-half decision. Uh, hopefully Wilson will come out ready to go in two weeks when they play at Warwick to begin the 2016 Lancaster Lebanon League Section 1 schedule. Okay, so now this is 
the end of our third episode of season two. We just want to remind everyone to make sure you like both Wilson Bulldogs football and the Bulldog Hour fan pages on Facebook and also follow our accounts on Twitter at Wilson Bulldogs and at Bulldog Hour. A lot of you have seemed to be enjoying that we've been doing post-game interviews. Uh, we said we would do that after the wins at least. I was going to say it's it's something you can get after the wins. We're not about to step in there and try and do that after after losses. Right. So you saw um, the interviews with some players and, and Coach Wolber following the Mifflin win. We also had the interviews with um, a bunch of players after the crazy win over Springford. And uh, we'll continue to do so um, if they win. You know, we'll be at the game at Central's often and at Warwick. Wilson comes out on top of those. And we'll make sure we grab some of the star players and, and perhaps some of the coaches as well to talk about uh, what went right for Wilson that night. And obviously, if you follow at Wilson Bulldogs on Twitter, I continue to put up live game updates and photos throughout the evening. You can also find both the football team and the Bulldog Hour show on Instagram. Um, and, you know, anything uh, Wilson football related, you can find. Just look at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, on the on the web pages. Hopefully, we're going to have a trivia contest or some kind of giveaway in the coming shows. Um, and I think I think that's about does it. The only thing we want to say is a thank you to our sponsor, which uh, is May Sandwich Shop, for continuing to help us um, and support the show. Uh, there's many ways that you can do that. Go to bulldoghour.com to find out how. And also a special shout out. Uh, they want to remain anonymous, but we thank them for their financial support of the show and to, for us to continue to do this. And we really appreciate their contribution uh, to the Bulldog Hour once again this year. Like I said, we're always accepting donations and you can find all that information at bulldoghour.com. Anything else from you, Justin? No, it, it's been a great start to the season. Um, you know, uh, the the teams, it, w- it was very different matchups in the first two weeks. Um, and it'll kind of be, an, again, a different matchup this week coming up. Um, you know, it, it's tough in terms of common opponents. We don't don't really share a whole lot with uh, Springford. I actually probably don't share any. I don't um, think any of it. Just because they play in that eastern part and they play a lot of suburban one, district one schools and everything like that. Whereas we're uh, going to play uh, mostly district three, well, virtually all district three schools, in, for, I guess all from here on out. So, um, but Central Dolphin is, you know, again, it, it's almost like we're progressing here. Uh, and that's not a knock on, on Springford. They're, they're a great program, but uh, Central Dolphin, you know, has won a state title in the last few years and, Five years ago. Um, right, yeah. So, you know, they're just a perennial power in our district. And so you know what you're going to get when you go there. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that plays out uh, moving forward. Um, it's a big game this week on the road. Uh, first road game and, uh, you know, have to improve each week. And that's, you know, regardless. But this week, if you don't, uh, you, you it won't get the outcome you want. For sure. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bulldog Hour. For Justin Raffoff and the Wilson Football Program, I'm Joe Mays. And remember, go Bulldogs. Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.